Hello, everyone, and welcome to the North American Irish Coaches Show. Today, we welcome uh, Richie Ryan. Uh, Richie's from County Tipperary and is currently playing in the USL Championship for El Paso. Richie, how's things in Texas? All is good, and uh, thanks very much for having me on. We're, uh, yeah. we're, we're surviving down here. Good man, good man. Listen, we'll get, we'll get straight into it, Richie. Uh, tell us about your you know, career, where you grew up, uh, how it all started, background as a kid, and how did you end up uh, all the way from Tipperary to, to El Paso? How long have you got in there? <laughs> well, uh, we, we, we can go on for a bit if you want. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I suppose I, I started playing when I was a young lad, five, six, seven years of age, back in Tip, in the local village back home in Temple Tui, playing with your mates. And, and then you, the, the game started to get competitive, I suppose, when I, when I got to 11, 12 years of age. And I was fortunate enough to play a pre-season friendly game against Belvedere Schoolboy Club in Dublin. And the manager after the game came to me and asked, was that my mum and dad over there? And I said, yeah. And he went and spoke to them and just asked would I be interested in, in playing for Belvedere. And obviously my mum and dad told me and they were a little bit cautious of it because we lived, we lived in Tip two hours away from yeah. Fairview Park it was. Um, but I convinced them to, to allow me to do it and I spent four the next four years playing for Belvedere from, from 12 until 16 before, before moving to Sunderland um, for four years. Uh, yeah, Sunderland was two, two years in the, in the youth team. I was fortunate enough to, to make my professional debut at the end of the second season against Newcastle in the, in the derby. And then I was supposed to start the next game against Aston Villa away. And I possibly had the worst training session of my life on the Friday. Um, and then Mick McCarthy, Mick McCarthy obviously decided that I wasn't ready to start the following day. So I was back on the bench. And um, then the last game of the season was against Arsenal. So it was brilliant to, to get the opportunity to play against Henri and, and players like that in the last game of the season. Um, then things sort of went downhill fairly quick in, in the UK for me. Uh, moved to Scunthorpe a couple of seasons after that, after a, after a hip injury. Um, had a season at Scunthorpe. Started the season really well. And... Got sent off in the game and never got never got back in the team. Um, then went to Boston United in League Two. Was called a five-a-side footballer every day by the manager. Um, so I was <laughs> I was out of favour fairly quickly there, um, and couldn't wait for the season to finish just so I could get out of there. Um, I was fortunate enough then to get a chance to go to Belgium where I started to enjoy the game again. It was a lot more technical and. Um, yeah, just a just a better way of, of football for my for my style of play anyway. And unfortunately for me that the, the manager left at the end of that season and moved back to the UK. So that was that was when it was time for me to move home. And Sean Doherty was a player at Sligo Rovers who'd been in Antwerp with me in Belgium. And he contacted me and said Paul Cook was looking for looking for a midfielder, would I be interested? So I said, yeah, why not, you know, go back home and, and try start enjoying the game again. And it, it, it sort of didn't happen for about a year and a half. I think I was enjoying everything away from the game more than the game. Join Sligo. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I met Kino, so 
that that might, that might explain a lot of it. Yeah, that, uh, that was a bad start. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was one of the first people I met. So it was it was downhill for a year and a half. Um, no, I, didn't, I I obviously I wasn't looking after myself properly, and I I wasn't dedicating myself the way I needed to. And I think the the best thing that happened to me happened at Sligo. Um, when at the end of my second season, we just got beaten in the cup final to Sporting Fingo. I remember it, yeah. 2009. And um, we, we were having exit meetings at the, at the end of the, the following week. And the, the club offered me an amateur contract for the following season and told me I could live, live back in Tipperary with my mum and dad and just travel up for training once a week. And they'd basically pay for the petrol for me to drive up. Um, and obviously, I, I was angry at the time. But looking back on it now, it was probably it was probably what I deserved because of the way the way I performed, the way I was looking after myself wasn't wasn't good enough. But uh, it was probably the biggest slap in the face I ever had in my career, and and like I said, the the best thing that ever happened. Um, so I'd, I worked hard that preseason and convinced Cookie to to give me a slightly better contract, and. Um, yeah, the, the following season was was a great one for me and, and for the club as well. We won we won the League Cup and we went on to win the FAI Cup as well. And I think we finished second or third in the league, which uh, was, was showing the direction that the, the club was moving in. Um, and then it was the same the following year we won the FAI Cup again. And then it was it was time to it was time to move on. I had a couple of opportunities to to move back across to the UK and, and Dundee United was the one that, that stood out for me most. Um, so I went there, signed for two and a half years, only lasted lasted a year and a half. Um, Jackie McNamara came in and I just wasn't I wasn't a player that, that suited him. So that was <laughs> time to move on again. And that was when I started to look towards North America and to see if there was any options over here for me to come and play over here. And I was fortunate, fortunate enough that my missus at the time that I'd, I'd met her in Dundee and she was willing to she was willing to to take the step to to come to North America as well. And thankfully for social media, there was a an agency on social media that, that got me a move to Ottawa. Um but yeah the Ottawa Ottawa wasn't starting until February 2014 in preseason as it was a new club and stuff. So I had like seven, eight months to to think about if yeah. if I didn't go somewhere else. And that was when I was um I was in touch with Sligo to possibly go back there for half a season and, and obviously in touch with Shamrock Rovers as well. And I chose to go to, to Shamrock Rovers. It was it was some something different for me. Um and I'm fortunate enough to go back there and win the win the League Cup again with Shamrock Rovers before coming to North America and North America sorry we've been travelling for the last six years I feel like you're worse yeah. than me on the travelling let's see yeah it, it, <laughs> it, it, it's a good thing and it's a bad thing it, it's a good thing when it's just you and the missus but when they when you throw kids involved in it and it becomes difficult then travelling from one side of the country to the other side of the country because it's it's a big country that's uh, that's for sure so yeah, I mean, and, and then El Paso, I mean, how did that come about? Or was it just from performance-based? or? Um, yeah, the, the manager here in El Paso was one of my assistant coaches at Jacksonville when I was there 
for the few months I was there in 2016. And we always, we always sort of kept in touch with each other and we always spoke about the game uh, back and forth. And he'd watch, he'd watch our games at Cincinnati when I was there. And then we'd, we'd have a chat about what we thought during the week and whatever. And um, it was in August, August 2018, he was confirmed as the manager here. Um, so he, he sort of just contacted me and we had the same agent as well. And said, look, if, if things don't work out for with Cincinnati taking you to the MLS, then I want to bring you down here. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, Richie, touch on your time playing with Sligo Rovers and Shamrock Rovers, your best memories. I mean, I've listened to podcasts there with Alan Kane recently. And, uh, you know, he speaks about playing under Paul Cook. And, I mean, some great, it sounded like some great times that you had. And what's your memories from playing with Rovers, Shamrock and Sligo? Um, first of all, Sligo, because I, I was there first and I was there for the longest, longest period of time. Um, I, when I went to the club first, we had, we had a good team, but we just, I think we lacked, like I said, me personally, I lacked that professionalism. And I think us as a group of players in 2009, we knew we had the talent on the field, but we just didn't look after ourselves and do the right things off the field. Um, and Cookie was a bit of a jack the lad as well, so... Like he, he loved us going for a night out together and, and having a laugh together. Um, he was big on that. But then I, I think uh, 2010, we brought in Joseph Indo, uh, Jim, Jim McLaughlin from Scotland. And Jim, Jim would have been 33, 34. Joseph was 34, I think. And they, they just brought a, a whole different sense of professionalism to the dressing room. Uh, the, way, the way boys look after themselves off the fields went from here to, to well above anywhere close to what we had been doing. And um, now we, still, we still enjoyed ourselves off the field. There's, <laughs> that, that, was ne- that was never going to stop. But that was, it, it, it became just on the weekends. And um, no, I think having, having Joseph and Jim coming into the changing room uh, just made, made us all better, better players. And then we, once, once you, you see the effect that them boys have on you and then you see the results changing on the field and you start to see the, the type of football and the style of football we were playing under Cookie and the football he wanted us to play um, you're winning games so you start to enjoy it that little bit more and you go on a run in the Cups and you end up bringing the first trophy back to the club and I think it was 27 years at the time um, they're, they're great memories to look back on and memory I look back on most is just the, the group of lads that we had in the dressing room um, I've never, I've never experienced a group like it. Um, you, you knew that you'd all work for each other on the pitch on a Saturday or Friday night. Hopefully, it was a Friday night game because that meant you had two days out after it. So, <laughs> um, but, but like that, we'd win on a Friday night, and we would go out for two days after. But you knew everybody would be out together, and like it. As long as everybody's together and you're all having a crack together, then you, you work that little bit harder for the fella next year in the following game as well. Did I hear something on a podcast recently? There was a rule you had to be home by a certain time on a, on a Sunday or, a, or a, you couldn't be up to town late at night or something? Was that a pod- so I heard that somewhere recently. Uh, about Cookie used to make rules, <laughs> hoping that they'd be broken. <laughs> he'd, make them, he'd make them to be broken and then find you and just take the money himself. Mad. That's uh, it's brilliant. It's great to hear this about Sligo, though. I mean, any anyone anyone from Sligo Rovers 
that is ever on a podcast and uh, they speak about the camaraderie between the group. I mean, it, it was uh, it was special. And obviously, being friends with Alan, I, I would have followed Sligo um, in the games. And I mean, some some brilliant years. And, and it's great to hear uh, hear uh, the same from yourself. What about uh, Shamrock Rovers? <laughs> yeah, well, that, that was an opportunity that came up for me when I was leaving Dundee United and, and I spoke to Trevor Crawley. And Trevor, Trevor understood straight away that uh, I possibly had the option to go to, to go to Canada the following year. But he, he still gave me a year and a half contract and was willing to put a clause in the contract that if the Canadian move came up, that he, he was willing to let me take it because it was going to be a, a new challenge for me or whatever. Um, yeah, and it's a funny one. Like I, I drove back, I drove back from, from Scotland into Belfast and I literally had no idea where I was going. I didn't know whether to drive this way to Sligo or this way to Dublin. And I, I was on the phone to my dad and some of my mates and stuff. And I'm like, nah, I need, I need to go to Dublin. I need to go to Shamrock Rovers. It's obviously a big club. Um, I'd done what I'd done at Sligo before as well. And I, I, I didn't want to go back there and, and not perform like I had before. Um, yeah. And I knew Shamrock Rovers was going to be a new challenge for me. And like I said, a, a huge club within Irish football. Um, and it was going to be, they obviously had a very a very strong squad of players at the time as well. So it was going to be a pleasure for me to go back and, and play with some of these players and, and, and push to push the winner's trophy, which I was fortunate enough that we did. Richie, you've touched on uh, that Ottawa move a, f- a few times now. Um, I'm curious and wondering about why you were there in Canada. Um, did you see what was happening? Like you look at their senior level now, there's some top names playing for them now. Is there anything that you noticed what they were started to do in Canada that you'd already done in Ireland or other places or where you could see their, their growth to be in a few years? Obviously now five years ago, um, they're yeah. doing pretty well for themselves. Was there anything that you eye-catching that they did? or I, I could tell very quickly – Dara, the, the growth of the game in Canada and in North America in general was, was growing rapidly um, yeah. from, from a coaching standpoint with like, growing academies and Ottawa Fury were bringing their own academy in to try and promote players from under 15s to 17s, 19s, all the way up to the first team. Um, and that's obviously the way things are done back in Europe. So that, that, that was something that stood out straight away to try and put that pathway in place for players. Um, and I think it, another, another thing is like the Dwayne, um, the Rosario at Toronto, ex-national team player, Julian de Guzman. I think they yeah. started to, to bring these ex, ex-national team players into clubs and give them more of an influence on, on, on trying to grow the game. Julian came back to play with us at Ottawa and his experience, he played played in Spain in La Liga, he played in Bundesliga, um, and then he, he ended up becoming the general manager in Ottawa for a couple of years. Um, so having, having people like that that have played for the national team involved in the organisations is always going to help the growth within the country. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's interesting. You watch all the, the, the big names now, Davies and... Um, the guy at LAFC, like they're, they're just playing yeah. great and it, and it's joy to watch, you know, and I've never been to Canada. So it's just an interesting aspect to hear about. 
Yeah, I, I think they, they've got some top players in the national team now. I think Mark Anthony Kay is yeah, yeah. A, great, a great example for for players from USL level that they, there is there is an opportunity to, to get yourself to the MLS and go and prove yourself. Yeah. Richie, um, League of Ireland obviously has progressed a lot in the last couple of years. Irish football in general, there's youth, youth national leagues at 13s, 15s, 19s. Women's National League, Irish football is changing the landscape. Um, what, um, what is the difference? Could you compare USL to, to, to um, the League of Ireland? I mean, in your opinion. Um, I, I think at USL Championship level, the, the standard of football is quite similar to, to the League of Ireland, I think, um, players-wise and football-wise and stuff like that. Um, for, for the pathways, I think... USL is trying to move towards having a national league for for academy teams, which I think is the right way to go, and an intelligent way to go is to if you can promote players from 15, 17s onto the onto the first team, if they're good enough, then possibly you have a chance of of making money off them on the other end and selling them on to an MLS club or a European club. Um, I think back in Ireland there, you see that with the national leagues <laughs> at underage level. Um, and even, even Shamrock Rovers bringing a, a second team into Division One at home. Um, I, I think these are all steps in the right direction. For sure. When we talk about these players, Richie, um, obviously you kind of were you're in England for part of your, your younger career. Um, how would you compare players over in England to maybe players in Ireland at a younger age compared to what you now have as uh, USL players that you kind of are developing down there in El Paso? How, how have you nurtured them and what you've helped from what you've learned and what are those few tips? Um, I think in the UK and Ireland, there's, it's a harsher, a harsher upbringing in the game. Yeah. But there's, there's more expectancy on the, on the young players. At the end of the day, if you don't perform as a young player at home, the fella next year wants to play professional football just as much as what you do. Yeah, yeah. You have to give everything you have. Whereas here, I think, it, I, I don't know if kids are driven by being a professional footballer. And that there's so many, so many bar, barriers with other sports in America that they're not brought up in the environment of just, of just football. And they don't, they don't just live for football, whereas back in Ireland growing up, that's literally all you knew. Uh, if, you wanted, if you wanted to be a professional, it, you had to be a professional footballer. So, um, we, have, we have some young players here. There's one of our, one of our I think he's the youngest player in the squad, uh, Chapa Herrera. Yeah, yeah. Chapa, Chapa's a brilliant story of getting an opportunity and putting the work in to take your opportunity. Chapel was working on a working on a construction site two years ago and played in a played in an amateur competition on a weekend here in El Paso and, and our manager was there and he just spotted him and thought, I want to give him a chance. And Ch- Chapel come in, he plays centre midfield and there's myself and another one of the lads, Yuma. Yeah, yeah. Every day Chapa is asking questions to me and Yuma and to, to the manager and how we can get better, what you should do in this situation. And it's, it's refreshing to see a young player with that mindset 
because he could have went the other way and thought, well, I've got my contract now. I'm in professional sport. I'm in a professional club in my hometown. I like, this is, this is it for me. I've made it. But he, he's not happy with that. He wants to be a better player every day. And, and I think now he's establishing himself as a first-team player. He's played a lot of games for us and he's grown, he's grown a lot from last season and his first season to, to this year now. He, he's becoming a very important part of what we have here. Yeah, I know recently he scored a few goals and, he's, <clears throat> and I know there's a few more local guys that you guys have and, and it's good to see, you know, that, that he's taken a chance and the, the yeah, guys around and brought them in. Yeah, it comes, a lot of it comes down to the players, the players' mentality as well. Um, you have to want to get better and, and that's something that with Chapa especially he wants to get better every day Brilliant Richie you've uh, you talked earlier about your, your story your journey rambling man you know just uh, you know Great agenda yeah <laughs> Lachico I mean all these words come to my Irish Rover whatever you want to throw at you but and many people may not under understand that you know it's like the coaching world you have to move you know you have to get up and, and move uh, is there any regrets uh, in your in your coming to North America? Especially, I mean, most a lot of people in Europe would say, "Ah, should have stayed at home, should have went to kept stayed in Scotland." Where do you see that? And is there any any regrets from yourself or the or the family? You know, no, absolutely not. Linda. I I think it's been the the last six years making the move to North America was probably the best decision myself and my wife made in our lives. Um. Our, kid, our kids were born over here, one in Canada and, and one here in America. And football-wise, it's been it's been brilliant for me. Um, it, I, I've used I've used the game as far as going to see different places that I never would have seen in my life. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I think that that's something that I will always cherish. Um, I've played games in San Francisco, Miami, New York. Uh, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, like, Donegal, Donegal. I've played a football <laughs> game, um, <laughs> but you know, like it, that's the way I look at it. I, I don't just look at it from a from a football point of view. Um, fo- football wise, it's been beneficial for me as well, and um, I, I've enjoyed playing over here. I've enjoyed different a different way of football um, on the field and a different way of life off the field. One of the interesting places um, in MLS is FC Cincinnati for me. Um, looking at how the clubs involved from USL to MLS, yeah. um, you were there when they got named an MLS expansion team. Um, why do you think maybe the first year was not up to par of where they wanted to be? Um, whether that's looking back as a player, look at you, you didn't get to stay there, you went to El Paso instead, but what, what were your overall views of the club? Like now they've gone through a few managers and their, their standard of play is not great every week. Well, what is your insight? Um, I won't be too harsh. That's fair. Um, I, I thought they could have done a better job with some of the players that they kept. Um, I thought they could have kept a few more that had been around the club that season when we were very successful in 2018. I think it would have helped... Um, would have helped the manager and it would have helped with, with new players coming in um, that you sort of had a foundation that, that had been there and been around the club previously um, and then 
I think the the results probably say that they they didn't recruit very well as well. Yeah. Um, and I think that 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 has led on to having a couple of different managers over the last two seasons that they've been in the MLS. I think they're they're a club that's looking for stability now, and hopefully they get that with Yakstam. Um, but I, as as a whole, as a as a football club, they're probably one of the best I've ever seen. Um, okay. the, the fan base there is on a different level. We we were fortunate enough to be winning in 2018 and having 25,000 people in the stands every week, which has never been heard of at, at USL level and probably never will be again. Um, so I, I hope that they can get some form on the on the field soon for when when they move into the new stadium next year that they're they're going to be able to to give some wins to the fans. Richie, uh future aspirations, uh, any, any aspirations to get into coaching um, when you're done playing? Obviously, hopefully you want to play another couple of years and, and the legs can still go, but uh, fancy the coaching gig? or The legs don't go very quick anyway, and so <laughs> I, I won't be losing my pace. <laughs> I think I lost that when I was 12. Um, yeah, the, my objective is to, is to move into the coaching side of the game when I, when I decide to stop playing. Um, where, where that's going to be, as you know yourself, you, no, nobody knows. Nobody knows whether it's going to be in El Paso or New York or back in Ireland. Or that, that, that's, a, that's a bridge we'll have to cross when it comes. And I, I've just got, just got to make sure that when, uh, when I do finish my career, that I'm, I'm ready to move into the next side of it. Have you done any of the badges or anything yet? Or? I'm, I'm moving on to my B. Okay. So um, it, it's testing, trying to find the time while, while still yeah. playing. I, I, I'd, like to, I'd like to do them back, back home um, because if, if we did end up moving back to Europe at some stage, at least I'd, I'd have the UEFA one. Um, yeah, it's, it's good. It's, 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 I did the B a couple of years ago with the FAI in, in Fort Island there in Cork. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's good to do a mixture of both. I mean, you're in North America, yeah. but yeah, the UEFA ones are, you know, especially when you've been away a long time, it's nice to get back to the... the the, nice the Irish, yeah, the Irish kind of the, the the crack in the room is good as well. But yeah, so so that's um that's the future aspirations. Get into coaching. I mean, not every yeah. player is is into that, obviously. So it's good to hear that you want to give back to the game. You know, when you're done. Well, I I don't know anything else, and so yeah, um, I, I I don't particularly want to know anything else. Um, I've I've been around the game for 19 years now, full time. So. Yeah. Um, I, ho- I hope I can be around it for another 19. I'm sure you will. Talking about coaches, you, you, your coach at the moment, um, Mark Lowry, um, El Paso, he talks a lot. He's been talking about the possession-based style, right, that you guys play out of the back. Looks yeah. good when it comes off, but when it doesn't, it doesn't look so great, right? Yeah. Um, and I've seen, I think it was a, a game about a, a month ago at home, and a, and a goal went in off playing out of the back. And I've seen him on Twitter trying to tell people, look at it, that you guys are happy when we're playing well, but when, 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 when the mistake happens, it's not so good. I'm curious, I'm curious um, behind the scenes, um, is it a lot of stuff, film that he does of how to teach it? Or is it on the pitch telling you different situations, how we're going to work through this with different players, talk about different midfielders as well, and obviously different centre-backs playing yeah, the possession out of the back. Uh, a lot of the work there is, is on the training pitch. Um, 
and just going going through repetitions of trying to play out and giving different options and different scenarios to each player. Um, and yeah, some, sometimes it's going to go wrong, but it, that doesn't mean you stop doing what you do. Um, and that's that's one of the things I love about about Mark is okay. We made a mistake; it cost us a goal, but would he ask us to do it again with the, in the same situation? Of course he would. And, and it, it's important for me as a player that has a coach that doesn't veer away from from what he preaches every day. Then, yeah, no, it's it's good to see. You know, I, I enjoyed listening to his answers um, on Twitter about that type of stuff. Um, how's life in uh, El Paso? Um, I've been asked to ask you about how Cincinnati Street in El Paso as well. I'm too, I'm too old for Cincinnati Street. Oh. <laughs> I've, I've been there a couple of times. A couple of times. Um, yeah, it's lively. Yeah. It's far too lively for an old man like me. <laughs> uh, yeah, a lot of younger players spend, spend their weekends on, on Cincinnati Street. Um, I, I've enjoyed a couple of times I've been down there. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely not somewhere I'll be every weekend. After not, a few wins, not if I want to keep playing for another year. Or so. <laughs> but how is but how is life in El Paso um, different? Yeah. It's it's it is it's it was different when we got here four star. Um, El Paso is a it's a unique a unique city. Uh, when we arrived first, it was very different to um, Ottawa, Miami, Jacksonville, Cincinnati, the other cities that we've lived in. In North America, so when we arrived here, first it, it's very dry, uh, a lot of mountains, um, not a great deal of water or grass. So it, it took us it took us a couple of months to, to get used to it, but it it's, it's the same as everywhere. Once you once you get settled somewhere and you find out the different places you like to go or different coffee shops and places you, you like to spend time, um, it becomes the same as everywhere else. Is it? Especially with the kids as well. Kids go to school. We pick them up from school. We come home, give them dinner, and <laughs> go into the same the same story again the following day. Absolutely, that's the kid lifestyle, isn't it? Um, it's probably the safest one for me. Yeah, I'm the, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. Even though my two lads are a bit a bit rambunctious now and again, but uh, Richie, speak about mentors uh, and role models growing up and and currently in the game for you. Um, growing up, I think as a midfielder and watching a lot of football, Roy Keane was obviously somebody that I'd watch a lot of and, and enjoy watching. Um, and then I, I suppose the older the older I got, and the and the more accessible football got, or more accessible continental football was to us, I started to watch a bit more of your Barcelona's and your Real Madrid's and, and stuff like that. And I think. Them, them midfielders, for me, they, they give you a whole different outlook on the game. The likes of a, a Xavi Alonso and Busquets, Iniesta, Xavi, they were, they were all players that I just loved watching growing up. And I think for, for any young player now, if you can watch video on them boys, they, they'll, they'll help you develop your game um, to, to a whole different level. And I suppose mentors... Never really had any in the UK, I'd say. I, I think the UK, especially when I was there, I think now it's changing a little bit as far as coaching and you might get an arm over your shoulder and the coach might speak to you a little bit more. It, it was dog-eat-dog dog back then. Like, 
if you weren't producing it, the coach wasn't going to spend any time dwelling on why you weren't producing it. Um, so it, it sort of changed a lot. And then over here, I had, I've had some really, really good coaches over here that I value a lot of, of what they taught me. Um, in Marcus Santos, who's the, the Vancouver Whitecaps manager now, um, really good tactically and more, more so than anything, though, a great, a great person, a great people person. And I, I think especially at this level, if you're a coach and you can, you can devote some time to the players and, and learning about the players away from the game, like their families, how, how their families are feeling. And every day you walk into training, Mark would ask how my wife was, how our kid was. And that, that goes a long way to, to feeling appreciated by the coach. Um, and then I had the, the opportunity to work with Alessandro Nesta at Miami. Um, he, 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 wasn't so, he wasn't so caring when it came to families and stuff like that. Um, but to, to have the chance to learn from him on the training pitch every day and, and some of the stuff he thought was, as players um, have stuck with me now. And I was learning every day from him when I was 31. So for, for anybody that says you can't learn when you get older, you can. Um, and yeah, he, he was a winner. He won everything in the game. So to, when he says something, you, you tend to listen. Absolutely. Richie, um, any younger players back in Ireland or anywhere in the world, but especially you know, back home, listening to this, uh, what advice would you have for a young player? Obviously now in Ireland, they can stay home much, uh, you know, maybe till, a, till 18. Um, but what, what advice have you picked up that you'd, you'd say to a 15-year-old or an 18-year-old right now? Uh, to work hard every day, work harder than the fella next year. Uh, spend spend the time on the training pitch. Spend more time than the fella next year because if you don't, he's going to take your position. So, um, just constantly, constantly trying to pick people's brains, whether it's the coaches or or whoever's close to you. Constantly trying to pick their brains on how you can get better. Um, and I suppose at eighteen, nineteen, back home, if you're a good young player, I think you're on the fringe of a first team. Um, I think it's important for young players to, to be around the first team because I, I, I think they learn, they learn more from the, from the professionals. Um, and I think over here, like they, they come out of college when they're 22, 23. I think they, sometimes they can miss out on that developmental development at that age. So they're, they're trying to play catch up then. Um, so I, I, I pref- and then you have the MLS two clubs as well. Um, which I, I don't think kids develop too much within them teams because they're all about the same age. So they don't have to, they don't have somebody there to set standards for them to reach every week. Whereas I think if they're involved with a professional team, you have the, the older players, the more experienced players on your case every day that ultimately will make you a better player. For sure. All right, Richie. Well, listen. Um, fantastic insight into your career. It's been a it's been a heck of a journey. I'm, I'm sure it'll keep going as well, and, and we look forward to to following you. And uh, maybe we'll see you at one of the Irish coaches events uh, events across uh, North America in the future. And again, we really appreciate your time uh, taking the time with us today. No problem at all. Thanks very much for having me on, fellas. Come Thanks, on. Richie. Thanks, Richie.